Thank you so much for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in six different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about Our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. How many of you were not here last week? Well, let me tell you how you can be blessed today. When you go home on demand, go to OurSaviorsChurch.com and you can watch him live because he's actually the one doing the live service today. It's, it's, it's not me. That'll be shown another time, but you can go back and you can listen. It was, church, was it unbelievable last week with Dr. Derek Daniels? He was just astounding. And so be sure that you get to go back and, and listen to that. But the week before that, I talked about a six-month checkup. And one of the things that I talked about was the joy of the Lord being your, your strength. And that when people become weary and people become overwhelmed and people feel oppressed, they lose their strength. And that's when the enemy comes. In Luke chapter 4, when Jesus had just been baptized, he came up out of the water. God spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Right after that, the next verse says, and the spirit of the Lord led him into the wilderness for 40 days to be tested by the enemy. So at the end of 40 days, right at the end, Jesus is physically exhausted. He's emotionally exhausted. He's tired. He's hungry. Now, if you know anything about addiction, they use a term called halt. How many of you are familiar with that term? Okay, say that with me, halt. Say it louder, halt. What do you do when you're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired? That's when drug addicts go back to drugs, alcoholics go back to alcohol. Whatever your addiction is, that's what people do. That's what people do. And so that is when the enemy comes. And he came to Jesus at the end of that, and he began his temptations of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He began those temptations. So when you and I are tired and weary and feel overwhelmed, our strength is gone, and guess who comes in? And today's story is a picture of that. It's a picture to help you and me understand what you do so that you don't get into a terrible place, and then if perhaps you are in a terrible place, how you can get back to the purposes of God for your life. Few people in history have made such an impact on their generation that their very first name resonates throughout all times. Long before Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and when TikTok was a sound that a clock made. These individuals whose life experience was so powerful that their name alone represented a message from God. Moses, Joshua, Noah, and today's teacher, Samson. Samson's life occupies four chapters of the book of Judges and only two children's births in the entire Old Testament were preceded by an announcement from an angel. Isaac, and today's subject, Samson. To put Samson's story into perspective, you've got to understand the time in which the children of Israel lived in in the Old Testament. They had been brought out of Egypt by Moses after being 400 years in bondage. They were in the desert for 40 years, and then Joshua, Moses' successor, led them across Jordan into what is now the Promised Land, which is actually where Israel is today. 
And they were there, and there they miraculously crossed Jordan, just like they miraculously crossed the Red Sea. And now they were being led by Joshua. Joshua died, and when Joshua died, God began to lead them by people called judges. Judges. And these individuals were both men and women that God used to lead his people. Some of you have been named by these people. Gideon, Ehud, I don't know who's been named Ehud. Okay, Shemgar, Deborah, and yes, today's subject, Samson. So let's look at the beginning of Samson's life and hear exactly what happened in Judges 13. And again, The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, let let me just stop and tell you, this is such a clear parallel. If you look throughout this book, the entire time, there are people that cry out to God when they're in need. God raises them up. He blesses them. He multiplies them. He prospers them. And then they forget him. And it's only then in a time of desperation that they cry out to God again And then the God of all grace and the God of all mercy starts blessing them, lifting them up and beginning all over again. So in Judges 13, it says this, and again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. There was a certain man from Zorah, the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah and his wife was barren. She couldn't have children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren, and you have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or any similar such drink. This is how you know she wasn't Cajun. And not to eat anything unclean. That means crawfish, shrimp. She definitely wasn't Cajun. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Read this with me. And no razor shall come upon his what? Head, for he shall be a. Now I'm going to explain to you what a Nazarite is. A Nazarite to God from the womb of the time he's born. And he shall begin to deliver the children of Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came to me. His countenance was like the countenance of an angel of God, very awesome, but I didn't ask him where he was from. And he didn't tell me his name. And he said, You're going to bear a son. No wine. No similar drink, nor eat anything unclean, and the child shall be a Nazarite all the days of his life, or from from, from birth. Now, let me fast forward this story about 25 years, probably, or 30. The promise was fulfilled. This woman who was barren had a child. This young boy named Samson was grown up. He's now become a hero. Every time they're being oppressed by the Philistines, Samson rises up. He defeats them. They gain a victory. And this cycle continues. But he has some issues. Can you say issues with me? How many of you know that everybody's got issues? I was talking to a pastor one time and I said, hey, have you ever thought about hiring this guy? He used to be on staff. He said, pastor, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. He said, he said, you know, that guy has some issues. Yes, right. And I said to him, and I said to him, can I tell you something, pastor? Everybody has issues. There's known issues and unknown issues. At least in his case, we know the issues. So look at the person that you're not socially distanced from and say, 
I think you have issues. And now we pick up the story of the one that is so famous that has made his name famous and her name famous. And there's a lot of women's names, okay, in the Bible that people are named after, like Deborah and Mary and Marie. Nobody is named after this woman, okay? Judges chapter 16, verse 4. And it happened that he loved a woman from the valley of Surak, whose name was, as Cajuns we know it as, Deliah. And the Lord of the Philistines came up to her and said, entice him and find out where his, what? Great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him that we may do what? And the enemy always wants to bind you and afflict you. Why? Why does the devil want to bind you and afflict you? Because God has created you to be salt and light. And when he binds you and he afflicts you, you may go to heaven, but life will be hell on earth until you do. How many of you believe the world, there's things that just stink in the world right now? Come on. How many believe that you look at the TV and you go, man, the world is rotten. Do you know how I got that way? You see, people that are lost are lost and they're doing what lost people do. But Jesus called us, we, all of us here, Christians, the church, he called us light and, come on, look, come on, Tonys, light and, light and salt. Now, my boys all grew up going hunting, and I know y'all see Joseph up here in the cool, skinny jeans and the little Chelsea boots looking kind of Metro-ish. Okay, but there was a time when he couldn't control what he wore and I controlled what he wore and I would take him hunting with me. I'm a big hunter, love to hunt. And, and we would trample through the swamp and all of that. And, and you know, when you take little kids hunting, how many of you have ever taken a little kid hunting? When you take kids hunting, it's not about the hunt. It's about the store before you go to the hunt. So you stop by, maybe you get meshes and then you get maybe a honey bun. Come on, honey bun. How many remember when a honey bun was a honey bun? Yeah, you just look at those things and you'll get diabetes right now. But you just go get a honey bun and get, get you know, some candy, some Red Hots, and then a Slim Jim. How many remember when a Slim Jim was the only beef jerky there was? And sure enough, we'd go hunt, and then next year, it'd be a year later, We'd be, I'd be going through the clothes of the kids hunting stuff, making sure it was clean and washed and ready for us to begin a new season. And I'd be going through their pockets and I'd pull out a Slim Jim that had been there since last year. Well, why couldn't we find it? Well, why didn't I know that it was there? Because what beef jerky is, is it's beef that is dried and salted. It's dried and salted. And can I tell you this? If that would have been a wiener, that thing would have been screaming at us in three days. Come find me. Do you know why? Because it would. Starts with an S. Ends with a K. It would have stunk. It would have stank. That's twice as bad as stink. 
So when you smell the world around you and you go, this stinks, what that tells you is that it's crying out for the salt of the earth, which is you and me. Don't get caught up in the stink. That is a cry from the world saying, we need Jesus. We need help. We need hope. So now, Samson is full grown, and he has got him a new little girlfriend. He got him a new girlfriend. So let's see what happens in Judges 13, verse 1. And again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for how many years? How many? That's a number of testing. For there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites whose name was Manoah. Did I already read this? Okay, thank you. This is the second time I preached it. Okay, now we get down to his interaction with Delilah. Chapter 16, verse 4. Afterwards, it happened that he loved a woman from the valley of Sorek whose name was, come on, ladies. Don't worry, we're going to get to men too, but this is your part. And the Lord of the Philistines came up to her and said, entice him and find out where he is. That is the enemy's plan. That's the enemy's plan for all of us. And by what means we may overpower him that we may bind and afflict him and every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Sammy, please. Hey, let me tell you something. Kenny G was playing in the background. There was some candles going on. She walked up and she went, Sammy. Sammy, Sammy. Please tell me. You're so big and strong. What is the secret to your strength? So if you were bound, you would be afflicted. And Samson said to her, if you bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, yet not dried, I will become weak like other men. So the Lord of the Philistines brought to her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried. And read, read this with me, men. And she, what? I don't know what Delilah was like, but I'm sure she was attractive. Come on, ladies. Oh, you don't want to say anything, do you? And he allows her to bind him with them. And now the men were lying in wait, staying with her in the room. And she said to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he broke the bowstrings, strands of yarn, like when fire touches yarn. So the secret of his strength was not known. Then Delilah said to Samson, look at you. You have mocked me. They told me lies. Isn't it amazing how people who are wrong accuse you of the very thing, thing they're doing themselves? They accuse you of what they're doing to you. Who's the one lying? The liar. Now please tell me what you may be bound with. So he said to her, 
If you bind me surely, securely with new ropes that have never been used, then I will become weak and be like other men. Therefore, Delilah took, Delilah took, Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them. And she said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And the men were lying in wait, staying in the room. But he broke them off his arms like thread. And Delilah said to him, Samson, until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what you will be bound with. Now, fellas, let me just stop right here at verse 13. How many of you think if you were dropping her off at the house and all of your enemies showed up and jumped you and you whipped them, you might break up? Okay, we're not going to prom. Okay, the engagement's off. But you know what? <laughs> Listen carefully to me. When you are bound by sin, it blinds all of your obvious senses. Everything that you would normally see and go, that's stupid. Why is he? Have you seen that? Many of you sat here and saw people in bad relationships and going, well, that's stupid. I don't know why she's still with him and you're still with him. The difference is you're emotionally bound. That's what ties you. That's what ties you. And Delilah said to Samson, until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what you may be bound with. And he said to her, if you weave the seven locks of my head into a web of loom. Now he's getting closer to the truth, isn't he? You know what? The devil never stops. You see, at first he thought, I could just shake myself. I could just give her a little bit. Sin is never, ever, 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 ever satisfied. Someone said sin comes as a friend, promises to stay as a guest, says if you will allow it to stay there, it will be your slave only in the end to become your master. It's just a little bit. Just, just, just give me a little bit. And now he's getting closer because sin is never satisfied. And now he's getting close to his real strength. Verse 14, so she wove it tightly into a bat in the bloom and said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and he pulled off the batten and the web of bloom. And then she said to him, how can you say you love me? Come on. This lie is 5,000 years old. If you really love me, you will. Here's the truth. If you really love me, you wouldn't ask. If you really love me, you would. If you really love me, you wouldn't put me in a situation where I have to choose between God and you. You have mocked me these three times and have not told me the great strength of the lies. And it came to pass, read it with me, man. She, him, with her, and now, I don't know what pressed means. I don't think the authors of the Bible thought they should tell us what pressed means. But I think it means something probably not good. Oh, but you really, you did? Oh, I thought you, you said, oh, you, 
Look at me. Isn't it amazing what starts off at a small temptation at the end ends up pressing you? Pressing you. What you used to just be able to go by is now pressing you into a corner. Pressing you into decisions you know you shouldn't make. So it was that his soul was vexed to death. So he told her, read it with me, all his heart. And said to her, no razor has ever come upon my head. For I have taken the vow of a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. And if I'm shaven, then my strength will leave me and I will become weak and I will be like other men. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines saying, come up once more for he has told me all that in his heart. So the Lord of the Philistines came up to her, watch this, and brought her money in his hand. Read this with me. Then she lulled him to sleep. Where? On her knees. And he called for a man. And they shaved off his seven locks of head. Remember, it was easy. Now they were woven together. Then she began to torment him. And his strength left him. And she said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. So he awoke from his sleep. And he said, I will go out as before at other times, and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. How did he not know that? A little bit at a time. A little bit at a time. The boiling of the frog. The little double click that now is an addiction. The little interaction on Facebook that now is someone you check every day. That program that you thought you shouldn't have watched. That thought that you thought you shouldn't have entertained from a co-worker. Then the Philistines took him and, come on, say it with me, put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. And they bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. Wow. Was Samson chosen by God? Did he have a purpose? How did he get where he was? Well, verse, what was the secret of Samson's strength? He must not have been strong looking or they wouldn't have asked. If he looked like a cross between me and Chris Reese. But people wouldn't have to ask. They didn't know. They didn't know. His enemies, the Philistines, did, however, know the secret of his weakness. Women. Can I tell you something? The enemy knows your secret weaknesses too. He knows my secret weaknesses. Someone said you're only as sick as your secrets. So what was a Nazarite? A Nazarite was someone who had taken a vow or made a promise to God to live separate and holy. And they did this for a period of time, or in his case, he was to do it all of his life. There were three things they were required to do. Number one, no wine, to be sober, to not touch anything dead. Secondly, no women to be taken outside of the children of Israel, which was a commandment from God. No unclean action, no unclean attraction. And third, no razor, his head, 
was to always be committed to God. His mind was to be committed to God, exemplified by never cutting his hair. But Samson lost four things on the way to losing his eyes, his strength, and going from being a deliverer now to being bound. What did he lose? The first thing he lost was his conviction. Say that with me, conviction. Convictions are the anchors in your life that hold you true to God's word. If you've ever seen a boat that's in the water and it's going to be left there a while, there's a rope that's pulled here and a rope that's tied there and a rope that's tied to the front and on each side. Why? So that when the storms come, it doesn't move. The enemy is attempting to rob conviction from the church so that we no longer stand for anything and we fall for everything. And that's exactly what is happening in the world today. If I was in a good Mexican church, they would have clapped right there. (laughs) He began by pursuing a Philistine woman. No one ever loses their call without first losing that conviction, that internal anchor of your life. Today, we have people who have convictions that are quiet and those who have no convictions that are screaming their head off. You know what happened? Those of us that follow this were convinced that we need to be quiet, not share our faith at work, not talk to our neighbors, not be bold. We went into the closet and everybody in the closet came out of the closet. And the people that should be saying something aren't and the people that shouldn't are marching in the streets. Here's the second thing. He lost his conviction. He lost his heart. He told her all of his heart. If you look at something long enough, your heart will follow. If you look at something long enough, Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the, all your issues are flowing from your heart. You know, there there are people here that go, Pastor Jacob, you know, let me just tell you something. I, 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 I don't trust people. I just don't trust people. I understand. People will hurt you. People will leave you. People will disappoint you. Some of you have been divorced from somebody you love very much. Some of you are estranged from your children. I got it. But your life needs to be filled with walls and gates. There's some people here that it's all gates. Oh, I just love everybody. Jesus loves everybody. So I just stop. I help the homeless. I help them. I just help everybody. Jesus loves everybody. He does, but only those that repent are going to be delivered from hell and go to heaven. And he loves everybody. Our lives need to have walls which protect us from people with wrong motive that aren't healthy for our lives. And then our lives need to have gates to where we let in the right people. The people that have just all gates They can't wonder. They always wonder, why are bad people always in my life? Why are bad things always happening to me? Why do I always... Because all you have is gates. Then there's the people that have number walls. You can't trust anybody, Pastor. I'm telling you, you can't trust anybody. Everybody's out there. They'll get you. They'll lie from you. Women have left me. Men have left me. Children have left me. My job left me. You're probably leaving me, Pastor. I can't even believe I'm talking to you. (laughs) Listen, Listen carefully to me. You better be careful about who you share your heart with. You know what my rule is? I can tell you who I trust. Are you ready? How many would like to know? 
Okay, well, I'll tell the people next week then. How many would like to know? Okay, watch this. However much of God I see in you, that's how much I trust you because I don't trust you or me. I trust God. You know, you get it. I grew up with a ghetto mentality, man. You my boy. I'm with you to the end. No matter what happens, if you get caught with drugs, I won't rat out on you. You won't rat out on me. Police pull them over and they go, it's Jacob Aranza. <laughs> okay, it's true. L- listen carefully. I don't trust you by virtue of how much history we have. I don't trust you by how attractive you are, good looking or gifted you are. How much Jesus do I see inside of you that tells me how much I can trust you? We have a big old saying around here in South Louisiana. Oh, Pastor, he's just a good old boy. You know, he just like a few cold ones, a little crawfish. And, you know, he cussed a little bit, Pastor. I just, let me tell you something. I, you know, I trust somebody based upon how much of Jesus I see in their lives. And if you trust anybody besides that, you will always live to regret it. Apparently that was so good, it brought an applause of dead silence. He lost his heart. He lost his heart. Be careful who you give your heart to. Be careful who you tell your heart to. Some people can't be trusted with your heart. Here's the third thing he lost. He lost his hair, his mind, his thoughts. Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as a man thinks within himself, what? Your life is moving in the direction of your greatest thoughts. If you plant a thought, you reap a deed. If you plant a deed, you reap a habit. If you plant a habit, you reap a character. If you plant a character, you reap a destiny, heaven or hell, life or death. It all begins with the way you think. You've heard me say it many times. You might not be who you think you are, but you certainly are what you think. And that's why I always say this book will keep you from sin and sin will keep you from this book because this is bleached to your mind. This is bleached to your mind. Jesus said, you are cleansed through the word which I have spoken to you. You tell me your word level and I'll tell you your purity level. You tell me your word level, I'll tell you your strength level. You tell me your word level, I'll tell you the internal convictions that you have. Don't tell me you love God. Look right here. Don't tell me you love God. People died to put this in print. William Tyndale, the man who finally made it accessible after it went to the printing press, was murdered because of this book right here that you allow 15 of to sit in your house unread. He lost his mind. Come on, you've heard that, haven't you? What happened to him? He lost his mind. She lost her mind. Here's the fourth thing. He lost his eyes. He lost the vision of what he was created to be. He was created to be a deliverer. Proverbs 29, 18 says, without a vision, people perish. He lost his vision. He lost his life calling. He lost his purpose. A friend of mine says, all of us are moving towards an internal picture we see of ourselves. Whether you communicate it to anybody or not, we're all moving towards an internal picture that we see of ourselves. His vision was gone. His vision was gone. And watch this. 
he laid his head on the lap of someone who wanted to destroy him. Look at me. Who are you close to? Y'all have heard me say this many times. I'm going to just say it because you need to hear it again. When I grew up in the Mexican ghetto of Houston, they had a lot of fortune tellers. We called them curanderos. It meant curers in Spanish. In French, y'all have them here, and they're called traitors, traitors. Okay, and you go, and you know, I'm always amazed by their signs. I'll tell you anything for $5. I'm like, if you know anything, go pick the lottery and make a billion dollars. Okay, so I'm going to tell you, I'm a fortune teller. My little Mexican traitor spirit, I'm a Mexican, so I got the curandero and the traitor together, have married each other. And I want to read your fortune for you right now. Can I do that? Some of y'all go, I don't know. <laughs> what else do you do? I want you to hold your hand out like this. Come on. Okay. If you have a long, wide line in the middle of your hand, that means you need to lose weight. I told you I was a fortune teller. <laughs> okay, here you go. Look right here. Tell me your five closest relationships that you're not related to. You show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Those are the people that you are laying your head in their lap. He lost, he lost his head. He lost his eyes, the vision he had for his life. He lost the vision he had for his life. I, I want to talk to every man here for a moment. Look right here. Let me give you a vision if you think you don't have one. Do we live in a perverse generation? Do we live in a generation with... It's filled with immorality, led by men, now followed by women. Watch this. Children are soon to follow. Watch this. So do you know what your mission should be if you're a man? To be faithful to God, to be faithful to your wife, and to show your children what a man of God looks like so that they can become one themselves. Be a man of God. I don't care what you make. I don't care what house you live in. But know that you can look in the mirror and you can look at this book that is a mirror and that your children can say, let me tell you something. My daddy might not be a millionaire. He may not make $100,000 a year. We may live in a double wide in Kankton. And if you have one there, I want some of your property. No, look at me. But my daddy is a man of God. He's a man of God. He keeps his word. He keeps his tongue. He showed me how to love a woman. He showed me how to be a man. You want a mission that's desperately needed and an absolute plague that has no longer allowed men to stand up to be good men? Come on, how many people do you know that you can just look at and go, that's a good man? How many have ever seen the movie Saving Private Ryan? 
Do you remember what he says at the end of his life? He's standing there at the graveyard at the whole story. And he looks at his wife and he says, what every man wants to hear. Tell me I'm a good man. Tell me. When we go through difficulties, whether it's the church or with our children, Michelle will look at me and she'll go, baby, you're a good daddy. You're a good man. And I always look at her and say, that'll all be decided in the end because that is not a single day by day I accomplished it. That is a lifetime achievement. Is this okay? Good. He lost his eyes. How do we regain our strength the same way Samson did? We do it by faith. At the end of his life, you're going to see he ends up fulfilling the purpose of God, even with all of his mistakes. We do it by faith, which means God called me. He loves me. He used me in the past, and he will use me again. And no matter where you are, you might be down, but you're not done. If you're still breathing, the grace of God could still resurrect his dream for your life. He did it through obedience. He, he is going to turn back to his call and he's going to turn back to what God has for him. Look at me. The Christian life is very simple. Read it and obey it. It's not read it, think about it, pray about it. Do I want to do it? I, I sometimes look at people and go, hey, we got a prayer meeting. You know what they say? I'll pray about coming. Like there's some things you don't have to pray about. How many of you know you don't have to pray about reading the word? People always come to me and they go, pastor, I want God to speak to me. I go, okay. He's going to speak to you right now. Are you ready? They go, yeah. I go, read your Bible. And they go, I mean out loud. I say, well, he's going to read to you. He's going to speak to you right now out loud. Read the Bible out loud. If you haven't obeyed the word that he's already given you that you can read, why in the world would he tell you anything else? Prayer. Be honest with God. Be honest with God. Listen to what he says. This is his dying prayer before he commits his greatest feat of his lifetime because they would bring him out on celebration days. They gouged out his eyes and they would bring him out and they would make him walk around and do things and they would mock and laugh and they were in the temples of their gods, their idols, and they brought him out as a celebration to mock him and to talk about how great their God was. Except they forgot something. The last time they brought him out, he was a little stronger than before, but, but now his hair had begun to grow. Come on, those of us losing hair, you know you look up at that all the time. His hair had begun to grow back. And listen to what happens. Judges 16, 28. Then Samson called upon the Lord that day. And he said, oh Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray. Just this once, oh God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines from my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple. And he braced himself against them one on the right and the other on the left. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all of his might. And this demon temple fell upon the lords and upon the people that were in it so that, the, it, so that they died. And he killed at his death more than he had killed in his entire life. 
You know what that means? Hey, you might be down, but you're not out. God still has more for you. God still has more. He prayed. How many ever prayed in our Father? How many of you could pray just without even thinking? Raise your hand. How many ever prayed the rosary and you prayed so many of our fathers you couldn't even count our fathers that you prayed to our Father? Watch this. How many of you have ever been in a crisis? Did you have time to pray in our Father before you got in that wreck? When you were slamming on the brakes? When your child you thought was drowning? No. You know what you cried out? Jesus, help! That's why I like Peter. He, he's getting out to walk on the water. Jesus calls him. He says, Lord, if that's you, come to come. He calls him and he steps. And as soon as he starts looking around, he starts sinking. And he simply says, help me, Lord. That's what Samson did. God always hears the honest, humble prayer. Prayer connects me to God. Prayer connects earth to heaven. Prayer connects me back to my source of strength and my source of power. There's nothing like just an honest, Jesus, help me. Help me. He answers every one of those prayers instantaneously. Then finally, he got back his vision. And he would kill more in the final moments of his life, even dying than he ever did in his life. Why? Because the God of all grace always preserves a way for a comeback and a way back to your destiny. It doesn't matter what you can't see anymore. If you're alive, God's not done. He's not done. He's not done. Today, let's regain our strength. Let's take this message of this man, Samson, and apply it to our lives today. Would you bow your head with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that comes to change us. Whenever your word is preached, God, you breathe into the dust of the earth and you made man. And every time your word is preached in an anointed way, you're breathing on us. You're breathing on us. Breathe on us, oh God. Encourage your children that you love. Strengthen them. Strengthen them with conviction, with faith, with obedience, with prayer. And regardless of where they find themselves today, 17 or 77 with a vision, but you're not done yet because they're not gone yet. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you the most important question of your life. Jesus said, unless a man or woman is born again, they wouldn't see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't enter into the kingdom of heaven. So the most important question you'll ever answer is, have you been born again? You say, Pastor, what does that mean? I've been christened, I've been baptized, I've joined the church. That's a great start. It is. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, you must be born again. My birthday is June the 17th, but my spiritual birthday is the week before Easter, 1971, when I prayed with an African-American counselor in a chemistry lab. That day, 
the old Jacob died and a new one was born again. That day, all my past was put under the blood of Jesus Christ as Christ raised me from the dead spiritually. That's what happens when every single one of us are born again. Say, Pastor, how can I do that today? It's as easy as A, B, C. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus Christ became your sin bearer. Either you die for your sins or he died for your sins. Somebody will die for your sin. See, confess Christ as your Lord and Savior as you turn away from sin to be born again. That's called repentance. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to ask again, have you been born again? If not, today. Today you can pray. Right in your chair, right where you are in your pew. Today you can pray. And you can be born again. Today can become your spiritual birthday. It only happens once, just like the day you were born. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm going to count to three. And at the end of three, if you want to pray to be born again today, I want to raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand. I'm the only one that's going to be looking. Just raise it up high and put it back down, and we're going to pray for you. One, God brought you here. It's not an accident. Two, every moment of your life has led up to this moment. People who've shared with you, prayed for you, loved you, Christians you've met. And now today's the day. Three, if that's you, would you lift your hand high? Pastor, pray for me. I want to be born again. Yes, one, two, lift it up high. Three, four, five. Yes, six, seven. All right. Eight, you can put your hands down. Last 10 seconds, Pastor, I didn't raise my hand with these eight people, but I should have. My heart's about to beat out of my chest. I know this is what I need. I know, I feel it. I know God is talking to me. I didn't raise my hand, but I should. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand and wave it at me. I'm asking this last time just for you. If you already raised your hand, don't do it again. Yes, 9, 10, 11. Anywhere else? 12. Yes, I see your hand. All right. That church, let's pray out loud. We're all going to join. Those of you that raised your hand, we're all going to pray out loud together. This prayer for you to be born again and for day to be your spiritual birthday. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe it on the cross. You took my guilt, my sin, and my shame, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from sin to be born again. Today, God is my Father, Jesus is my Savior, and I'm born again in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about Our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com.